0: This episode is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Jimmy Door Show, The Majority Report, The David Pakman Show, Real Time with Bill Maher, The Young Turks, The Media Matters Minute, All In with Chris Hayes, and The Colbert Report. And a happy non-denominational, non-politically affiliated, non-gender specific holiday season to all.
1: So they're still pretending to fight the pretend war on Christmas. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, let's listen to him. He's going to talk about the the, the genesis of his, his fight to protect Christmas from the people who are at war with it. Ready here Hi, I'm
2: Bill O'Reilly. Thanks for watching us tonight. The war on Christmas centralizes. That is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. Well, over the years, we've taken on the role of protecting the federal holiday of Christmas. As you know, there are some Americans who are offended by any reference to Jesus Christ. And that's what the USA celebrates on December 25th. The birth of the baby Jesus. President Grant
1: the baby Jesus, as opposed to the birth of the middle-aged Jesus, <laughs> that would hurt. The baby Jesus
2: okay. signed the holiday into law after Congress passed legislation in 1870,
1: acknowledging the country's
2: Judeo-Christian tradition.
1: Yes, which involves slavery, by the way. Which involves slavery, the Judeo-Christian tradition, and by the by the way, so it wasn't a, Christmas wasn't an official holiday in America until barely over a hundred years ago. It wasn't even an official holiday, so that's kind of interesting, right? You think about it. I thought Jesus was yes, born I
3: in think,
4: America. Uh, if you look back, <laughs> the Mormons, uh, the,
5: 18, the 1800s, uh uh, in the early part of the 1800s, uh, people were much less depressed during December. <laughs>
1: yeah, because it wasn't the holidays, sure.
2: Right. Let's and say,
1: so, <laughs> Americans officially got
2: the day off from work. Now, everything was swell up until about 10 years ago when creeping secularism and pressure groups like the ACLU began attacking the Christmas holiday. They demanded, demanded, the word Christmas be removed from advertising and public displays. And many people caved into that.
1: Okay, not, that's not true. Uh, ACLU never demanded Christmas be removed from advertising. Advertisers did that because they are trying to sell products to more than just Christians. That's why. That's, uh, okay. The ACLU never said a private company couldn't mm-hmm. use Christmas. Mm-hmm. So they go on. To, so this is, uh, this is, he's, he's, he's in it to so win. Now it. we have the happy holiday
2: <laughs> syndrome.
1: What is interesting this year is that
2: Hanukkah will be over on Thursday. So there are no more holidays between then and Christmas Day. New Year's Eve. It's just Christmas
1: if you want to invoke. New Year's Eve would come after. <laughs> <laughs> it would come after. He said. Well, you say Happy Holidays to me. It's, yeah, it's it, part of it. To me, New Year's is part of when you say Happy Holidays. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's pretending like it just meant Hanukkah. Right. Or it means right. all of it, the Kwanzaa, the Hanukkah, right. the whole deal. Right. The the, the winter solstice. The Wiccans, right. whatever they celebrate, everybody celebrates something. There's oh, stuff that we don't yeah. even know what it is. Yeah,
5: I think his point, too, is now that holocaust is over, Jews stop being
1: Jewish, I think. <laughs> I think so.
2: Yeah. Progressives. Uh, the absurdity of the situation was brilliantly parodied today in the mallard Fillmore cartoon strip by our pal <laughs> Bruce Tinsley. The following Christmas special actually mentions Christianity. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Wow. So, wow. A right-wing comic strip. Wow. A right-wing. How many of those are there? Wow. See, because comedy's always best when you're punching upward, and right. right-wingers can't do that. Right. They can't punch upward. And they can't, even when they do, they can't do it in an honest way. Snide is this, not funny. This whole pretending that somehow Christians are an oppressed minority, that mm-hmm. somehow Christmas is getting the, uh, the boot. <laughs> In America. It's on the run. This it's whole, on the run. It's, it's, this is a comic strip. This whole mm. thing is co- it's fun. I'm, but don't get me wrong. I'm glad he does it. It's so bad. Bu- he barely could muster the energy anymore, though. After 10 years, he just say, oh, here we go. All right, here we go. Here.
2: And then there's Macy's, a the company that I generally like because it supports Wounded Warriors. But this year, they're touting Santa Claus, who will help you, quote, with your holiday wish list.
1: And you know what's funny was when they started this a couple years ago, uh, somebody actually went to the Fox News website and found out that they had all their holiday gifts also at the (laughs) Fox News (laughs) website. So this is all just made-up, fake, phony outrage, but it works. It must work. It must keep working, right? Because And thank God he's there to protect Christmas, Frank, because if he didn't, who knows where Christmas would be? I mean, I think he's also secretly been protecting football. Because, uh, how, he's protecting things that don't need protection. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like, what else is he gonna protect? Beer and strip clubs? You don't need to protect. The Pentagon. Yeah, let's protect the Pentagon. Make sure that people, so, that's Bill's, uh,
3: but we all know people that take that position about saying Merry Christmas. Yes. You know, I have a couple friends that really kind of stick their chin out when they say Merry Christmas. Yeah, they like saying
1: Merry Christmas in people's faces, Yes, mm-hmm. like
3: it really and is in my the
1: friend spirit. And my friend Todd Glass used to say, that's like calling everybody Bob. You know, no, my name's Jim. Yeah, I know, but I don't care. I like to call <laughs> you Bob. <laughs> I like, I like it. I like that name. Mm-hmm. So that's what that is. It's just you're being an oh, idiot. I'm, uh...
5: I'll just tell you that uh, um, I've been uh, referring to my state of mind as my Christmas depression, not my holiday.
6: on Christmas it's not just a function of people attacking uh, president obama for having a portuguese dog who seems to be uh, all o- his paw prints are all over the uh, holiday greeting cards but matt barber a christian conservative radio host well he's quite upset about the atheists that are making it impossible to celebrate christmas in this country, and basically attacking religion everywhere, I mean, I remember yesterday when I was taking a subway home, and this atheist came on and literally started shouting in my ear to everyone in the train about how Jesus was going to stave and reading from Ezekiel, oh wait a second i 'm sorry that was not an atheist. Why would an atheist do that? Listen to what um <laughs> this uh radio host matt barber had to say uh, about uh, what was going on in 2008 because a county road commission i think somewhere in uh michigan denied a permit to a guy to place a nativity scene on a public median they're they're bullies and we we know that when People stand up to the bully on the
7: playground. The bully on the playground intimidates. That's what he does. Intimidates people into silence, into fear, into avoiding the bully. Uh, and, And oftentimes the bully is the paper tiger. And when... The righteous individual who is being bullied defends his or herself and punches the bully in the mouth. Guess what? The bully, more times than not, has a glass jaw, falls down. Then everyone on the playground says, whoa, the bully was a weakling after all. That's the secularist left. The secularist left are bullies. They try to bully and intimidate and push religious intolerance and religious bigotry
6: on everyone else. Yes, folks, it's true. That's why you all see Christianity and Christmas and religion in this country relegated to the farthest reaches of the cafeteria, sitting alone, just afraid that the secular left is going to come around and say, you can't... Where's all the Christmas stuff around here? I haven't seen anything. It's virtually impossible to go anywhere and see anything about Christmas. See anything? I mean, it's just... I mean, you walk by Rockefeller Center and there's that... Giant menorah. I just
4: don't know why they put that up there.
6: Well, no, there's that big giant uh, statue to uh the 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 atheist. <laughs> what is it? You see that big uh, that big uh, symbol of atheism everywhere in this. It's it is so absurd. So absurd, but this is the way that this is this is what the conservative mind is all about. They're coming to get you. The secular leftist, they're bullies pretty soon we could have almost f- 6% of the country atheist a statue of darwin is what's up in russia Rock- yes oh, of it's course
8: And cheer, One seems to hear words of the cheer from everywhere, filling the Oh, how the you the
9: in the ring, while
8: people
6: sing songs of the cheer. Christmas is here.
4: One quick story before we take a break, the latest from Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson, since we are getting into the holiday season, says atheists are miserable and trying to steal Christmas, kind of like the Grinch. Let's take a listen to that incredible analysis. Pat?
2: Well, it's, well, Christmas all over again, Um, the Grinch is trying to steal our
9: holiday.
2: It's been so beautiful, the nation comes together, we sing Christmas carols, we give gifts to each other, um, we have uh, lighted trees, and it's just a beautiful thing. Atheists don't like our happiness. They don't want you to be happy, they want you to be miserable. They're miserable, so they want you to be miserable. Yeah. So they want to steal your holiday away from you.
4: There you Terrible. go. Okay, so brilliant analysis. Do you know any atheists that are miserable? And for and, and, and number number one, and number two, if they are... Can you attribute their misery to being atheists?
10: Hard to say. <laughs> Impossible to prove.
4: Nathan, what's your reaction to Pat Robertson? Is this just uh, to to quote Brian Williams, he's pa- he's t- passing the last exit on the road to relevance or something like that? You know, I guess my reaction is I would rather be miserable and right. Okay. Well, so there you go. Even if they are miserable and even if they are miserable because they are atheists, at least they are right about something.
10: They're miserable because their their friends and relatives celebrate Christmas and they get sucked into it.
4: <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe it's, they're miserable because of people like Pat Robertson. That's a good
10: point. Yeah. Someone needs to explain to the Republicans that Ebenezer Scrooge is supposed to be the bad guy. And before conservatives start whining about another war on Christmas, they must admit they hate everything about Christmas. Because brotherhood, goodwill toward men, and especially charity, make their skin crawl. Now this week... Michelle Bachman Bachman proposed cutting huge holes in the federal safety net, demonstrating a total misunderstanding of the concept of a net. Here's what she said.
3: Self-reliance means, if anyone will not work, neither should he eat.
10: Merry Christmas to you too, crazy lady. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the first thing I think whenever self-reliance comes up. Punishment by starvation. <clears throat> Honestly, who can hear that statement and not think of Scrooge, who in A Christmas Carol suggests that if the poor don't want to go to the workhouse, they should get on with dying as a service to population control. Now, if Herman Cain said that at a Republican debate, he would get a standing ovation. <clears throat> and say what you want about Ebenezer Scrooge, he never shoved Bob Cratchit's head into his groin and said, look, you want Christmas off or not? Newt Gingrich refers to Obama as the food stamp president because Obama doesn't want children to starve to death, fucking commie. (laughs) Mitt Romney says we should let all the people about to lose their homes lose them and they can just become renters. Ownership society? Meet no pets, no (laughs) waterbeds. Mitt said the same thing a few years ago when the automobile industry was tottering. Let it die. I find it ironic that Republicans have such disdain for the lazy, and yet their solution to every problem is do nothing. (laughs) They're. Their answer to wealth inequality? Do nothing. Healthcare: Do nothing. Climate change? Nothing. Racism? Doesn't exist. For a group of people so head over heels in love with self-reliance, they sure do recommend a lot of sitting on their ass. If, if a Christmas Carol was performed by the Tea Party Dramatic Society, It would be a cautionary tale about how the hero, Scrooge, (laughs) a blameless job creator, is turned into a socialist through the corrupting influence of Tiny Tim. And the play would end with a simple plaintive question from Mr. Scrooge. Just how much of my wealth does Mr. Tim think he's entitled to? And that is the great Republican fallacy of this election, that our economic problems are due not to Wall Street's gambling, but because too many Americans are lazy. But there are 16 million unemployed, and we only created 80,000 jobs last month. The problem isn't laziness, it's math. But this is where the Republican Party is now, in favor of people dying because they don't have health insurance, in favor of letting people go unfed if they won't work, and if they want to work but are Mexicans in favor of putting up a fence that electrocutes them. Mm. Even Scrooge is thinking, look, I hate the poor, but I'm not a fucking (laughs) socopath.
2: Psychopath (laughs) is what
10: I (laughs) mean. But that's where this party is. It simply has no bottoms.
8: It's
7: even worse for now the pagans started all this nonsense with their holiday tree, and O'Reilly is going to make sure that we. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh right, it's a Christmas tree, and it was and it was the secularists that are attacking us because they, they've been running the country. Every single president has been a secularist, atheist, agnostic, leftist. Oh right, they've all been Christians. Hmm. Well, nonetheless, Bill O'Reilly is absolutely convinced that it, uh, it's the Christians in this country that are being oppressed. That in fact, uh, what people refer to as Christmas tree, it, there's a plague across the country. It's being called a holiday tree, and that is factually incorrect. Which, by the way, it is actually factually correct because a pagan started it, the Chris, Christmas tree. Anyway, but you know what? He's got a uh, kindred spirit now. He's found uh, Pastor Robert Jeffress, and they understand what the real problem is. They haven't been fighting hard enough. Oh, okay. Let's listen.
2: There is a problem in America
11: with the Christian forces being weak. Mm. That's right, and I'm I'm telling you, Bill, wimpy pastors produce wimpy Christians, and that is why we are losing this culture war, and I believe it's time for pastors to say, you know, I don't care about controversy. I don't care whether I'm going to lose uh, church members. I don't care about building a big church. I'm going to stand for truth regardless of what happens.
7: That's right, man. What would Jesus do? He would find a secularist and punch him in the face. That's right, we don't need any wimpy pastors. Turn the other cheek, that's like for Muslims or something. Christians obviously don't believe that. If there is a fake war on Christmas, we will battle up, man, stand a post! Jesus would have done the same thing, gone after those goddamn secularists messing with his tree. You remember what happened when they messed with uh, the pine tree Jesus had in his yard? (laughs) Okay apparently the poor evangelicals in this country the poor christians they they are so beat down and they've got all these wimpy pastors poor guys man no wonder they're getting run over by these atheists and agnostics that are running this country well i hear you brother
2: tell me more the forces of secularism are extremely aggressive Mm. extremely aggressive (laughs) the liberal media uses its power in a very very overt way the other side it outnumbers out them i mean christian judeo christian people who believe in that philosophy outnumber the secularists maybe six to seven to one but you don't see them no bringing it That's to right, the Bill.
11: secularists we are in the majority and we ought to start acting like we're in the majority instead of cowering in, fo- in fear and becoming wimps if we don't stand up we're gonna lose these very real rights that our forefathers died to provide us with
7: <laughs> except that our forefathers built the first ever secular constitution in the history of the world that said you shall not establish a religion but i'm nitpicking my favorite moment is this as is Ro- O'Reilly's leaning in, saying they're very, very aggressive. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, O'Reilly. Other people are aggressive? Meanwhile, these two guys are yelling, talking about, you know what? Our side is cowering in fear, while the other side is being. The other side. He had Lincoln Chafee on the show the other day, the Rhode Island governor who's calling it a holiday treat because he doesn't want to offend non Christians in his state. Okay. And Chafee it, 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 it was the whole time was like, metaphorically backing up. He's like, "Okay, Bill, all right, Bill. I mean, I'm just there's non Christians in the state. I'm the governor of everybody. It's, is it okay?" And he's like, "Look at it. These aggressive secularists. They're waging a war. <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. They got you know. There was a recent poll done by Public Policy Polling. A majority of the country believes there is a war on Christmas. <laughs> it's." Amazing what they get them to believe, man. If you repeat a lie enough times and forcefully enough, you will a get a lot of people to believe it, and b get good ratings. (laughs) That's what this is all about: riling up the folks. At the end of the year, there isn't that much news. Sometimes it's a lame duck session. A lot of people are going away for Christmas, the holidays, etc. So how's O'Reilly going to get ratings? Ah, can you believe they're attacking the thing that you love most, Santa frickin Claus? They're coming for Christmas. But don't worry, I'll fight back.
0: This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Coleman Lines. On the Veterans Day edition of Fox News's Hannity, host Sean Hannity spent twice as much airtime on the so-called war on Christmas than covering Veterans Day. Here are Sean Hannity and Sarah Palin discussing Palin's newly released book about the war on Christmas.
10: Isn't it amazing, the,
2: the attack, the assault, it's just unbridled and seemingly unprecedented against Christmas.
11: They are usually angry atheists armed with an attorney and they want to tell us, they want to tell patriots, they want to tell
12: traditional uh, Americans that no longer can you acknowledge that. Jesus is the reason for the season.
0: Fox News hosts often cover the war on Christmas more extensively than they do real wars. In fact, last holiday season, Fox's Bill O'Reilly dedicated nearly an hour to segments defending Christmas while spending a mere 15 minutes covering military conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Libya, and Gaza.
6: A secret meeting in Washington, D.C. Oh, it, it might have something That's to do with a certain holiday that we may or may not be trying to destroy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I you get can take our pensions and destroy the well-being of America's workers, but we will kill Christmas. Ladies and gentlemen, I know Michael sometimes jokes about the war on Christmas, but we take it pretty seriously here. One of the ways that we were hoping to undermine Christmas was, of course, to create and sow some type of confusion as to the racial identity of icons of christmas of course i'm talking about both jesus and santa claus <laughs> and where do we get to the reindeer but that's for another time unfortunately megan kelly at fox news and some fox uh, moron contributors have found us out Kids, you should avert your eyes or your ears.
3: Move on, because I want to get to this other topic. So, in Slate, they have a piece uh, on .com. Santa Claus should not be a white man anymore. And when I saw this headline, I kind of laughed and I said, "Oh, this is so ridiculous! Yet another person claiming it's racist to have a white Santa." You know, and by the way, for all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white. But this person is just arguing that that maybe we should we should also have a black Santa. But you know, Santa is what he is. And just so you know, we're just debating this because someone wrote about it, kids.
6: First off, do the people at Fox News think that like four-year-olds who believe in Santa Claus as being a real human being watch their news program? Uh, Mom, if you could uh, warm up a milk bottle for me, that would be great. I'm going to want to catch Hannity. uh, I want to find out what's going on with Obungle Care. Yes. I want to know the real deal on spending. Second of all, if you are a parent and you're allowing your four or five or six-year-old or seven-year-old, I guess theoretically an eight-year-old could believe in Santa, maybe nine or ten, to watch Fox News, social services should be knocking on your door. Continue.
3: Okay, I wanted to get that straight. But Jedediah, when I read the piece, the author seems to have, you know, she's African American, and she seems to have real pain at having grown up with this image of a white Santa, and she
12: speaks about it kind of honestly, saying, I I didn't really understand why that had to be. Yeah, she wants Santa to be inclusive, and I had the same reaction initially. I was thinking, "Oh, this is more politically correct nonsense. This is hypersensitivity in our culture." And then you read the piece, and you really walk through the steps with her. I think it's a tribute to her writing, and you realize if you were a young kid and you were African American and your Santa Claus was white, it would affect you when you went to school. Maybe you wouldn't feel that you were part of that tradition. Now she suggests that a penguin should be Santa. Okay, that's where she goes off the rails.
6: Well, I think that's positive. Now. What, what's interesting about this is this is obviously sort of like their contrarian person on the Fox panel is that, uh, you know, I thought it was one of these politically correct things. And then I actually read what the piece was. That dynamic plays out every day in the conservative mind, except for the part where they actually read it and try and understand the perspective. But here's where Megan, uh, Kelly goes off because if you're going to have a penguin, you can't do that. Santa's real. Go
12: kind of interesting though, to have an animal, which is something that kids love, sort of brings that cartoonish component into it and I think that makes all kids kind of feel welcome in the process. So I see no. where she was going with that. No. No. it doesn't. No, it doesn't make <laughs> so all kids wrong. feel Hey, I like it penguins. Feels, it makes
3: all, all birds feel welcome. Uh, um, kids Monica, like penguins. You know, but I, t- okay, so, that, so I've given, her name is Aisha Harris, I've given mm-hmm. her her, you know, her due on where she was going with it. but. Just because it makes you feel uncomfortable doesn't mean it has to change, you know I mean Jesus it was a white man too, but you you know it's like Pause we it. have he was
6: <laughs> you know what's really funny about this is in fact, no, Jesus was not almost certainly not a white man, and apparently because the romans uh because when they were going up in there and they were trying to convert people. Paul was heading to uh, the, you know, had his moment on Damascus or whatever the road to Damascus. Through the ages, we got to make Jesus white. How else can we get the white world to sign on to it? So actually, I guess it can change to make people feel more comfortable
3: historical figure. I mean, that's a verifiable fact, as is Santa. I just want the kids watching to know that. But my point is, how do you just revise it, you know, in the middle of the legacy of the story and change Santa from white to black? Yeah, yeah.
12: I mean, you can't.
6: You can't. You just can't, folks. Well, you know what? I got news for you. In my house, guess what color Santa is from now on? It's black. I just did it. Don't you dare tell me that the
4: fat white man with the white beard who gets in a sleigh and travels all over the world reaching billions of people with reindeer, flying reindeer and elves who uh, packed his his sack of toys. Don't tell me that he's black. Actually. What a work of fiction I will that say is. this.
6: I will say this. Yeah, exactly. I will say this that um it's it's obvious that Santa's white because if he was black he would probably be pulled over so many times uh, just by by you know, by the time he got... He would never get past the West Coast. He would never get past L.A. Uh, because he'd be pulled over so many times. Like, where's a Where's a black guy going San- to find Santa's black
13: Fox segment.
6: I don't want this guy coming to my house. <laughs> Why do I got to have him right. in my house? Right. Unbelievable. Yeah. These I don't people feel
4: comfortable with insane. that. It's just important to note, too, that megan Kelly's children's names are Yates, Yardley, and Thatcher. I don't know
6: what that's going to do. I think that has plenty to do. the shit right. she was talking to.
13: In a delightful twist of unintended consequences from this year's war on Christmas hysteria, Black Santa has officially become the mascot of this holiday season. Of course, it all started with this Aisha Harris piece for Slate.com, about the problems inherent in a Santa who is default white. That column led to one of the more baffling moments in all of cable television, courtesy of Fox News anchor Megan Kelly.
3: For all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white, but this person is just arguing that, that maybe we should, we should also have a black Santa. But, you know, Santa is what he is, and just so you know, we're just debating this because someone wrote about it, kids. Okay, I wanted to get that straight.
13: And that, quite naturally, led to an absolute eruption of outrage, satire, and ridicule.
3: Santa is
0: just white. <laughs> <laughs> and who are you actually talking to? <laughs> Children? who are sophisticated enough to be watching a news channel at 10 o'clock at night yet innocent enough to still believe Santa
10: Claus is real yet racist enough to be freaked out if he isn't white. I can't believe that you and Mrs. Claus are black. Oh, she's not black. She's not? No, 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 no. You think a black woman would tolerate living out in the middle of the snowy wilderness? No, if
7: Mrs. Claus was black, Santa would be living in Atlanta near her mama.
10: I think you would find a black Santa Claus in every black home because (laughs) Santa Claus is black in black homes and Santa Claus is white in white homes. Santa Claus is Mexican
13: in Mexican homes. Just wait until Fox viewers find out Santa is actually a black man pretending to be a black woman. Oh, 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 not you. Look how you jumped on. I'm talking to you. Go see a Medea Christmas. Besides, black people have
9: their own holiday. It's Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> By the way, for any kids watching at 1130 at night, Martin Luther King
13: is black and he is real. All right. All of that led Megyn Kelly to her credit to return to the issue. with a segment that was sort of ambiguously perched
3: somewhere between apology and double down. The knee-jerked instinct by so many to race bait and to assume the worst in people, especially people employed by the very powerful Fox News Channel. Contrary to what my critics have posited, neither my statement nor Harris's, I'm sure, was motivated by any racial fear or loathing. We continually see Saint Nick as a white man in modern-day America. Should that change? Well, that debate got lost. By the way, I also did say Jesus was white. As I've learned in the past two days, that is far from settled. Yes, yes,
13: very, very far from settled. Now, on the silly, serious scale, this story has tended to tilt to the silly side, but here's what's not so silly about turning Santa's race
11: into a debate. Cleveland High freshman Christopher loved Christmas, but that all changed last Thursday when he wore this Santa hat and beard to school. His parents say a teacher told Christopher who's black he couldn't be Santa because Santa is white.
13: That's a really a thing that really happened in an Albuquerque suburb last week. It's the sort of story that strikes a nerve, and I can tell you why. I have a two-year-old now, so I know that as you watch your kid walk through the world, it's like watching a turtle without a shell. They're perceiving everything around them, even stuff you don't think they're noticing. They're taking it all in, but they don't have the facilities yet to process it all. So they're often getting messages that you, as their parent, don't control, many of which are harmful or hurtful. And for millions of non-white kids the message that Santa is white might very well very well be one of those messages. In fact, one of the most insidious aspects of the racial regime in which we labor is that whiteness is the default. Whiteness is invisible. Whiteness does not exist as a thing, as something to be noticed. Things just are white. People just are white. Santa just is white. But here's the thing. Until a few years ago, the President of the United States was white. He just was. That was a verifiable fact. But that changed. So, maybe Santa could change too? And speaking of changing Santa, here's what Santa should not be. This is SantaCon, if you're not familiar, it's basically a costumed pub crawl that started in San Francisco in 1994 and since gone global. It acts as an opportunity for the same inebriated louts who crowd into the city to get publicly drunk on St. Paddy's Day to trade in their green for red and white and get publicly drunk in December. This year's SantaCon, a number of drunken Santas, could be seen brawling on the sidewalks near Union Square here in New York City. So while we're on the subject of whiteness as default, let me just hazard a guess that if the people streaming into the city every holiday season to get drunk and fight were overwhelmingly black, official New York's reaction would be a lot less ho-ho-ho.
12: Megyn Kelly was uh, making headlines last week after she got into a little bit of a debate over whether or not Santa Claus is black or white. Well, she got a lot of negative feedback over that segment. People were making fun of her. A lot of late-night shows were making fun of her and, you know, this idea that A, Santa exists, and B, Santa is white. Um, But what I love is now Megyn Kelly has responded to that criticism, and you should all know she was just joking around
3: well this would be funny if it were not so telling about our society in particular the knee-jerk instinct by so many to race bait and to assume the worst in people especially people employed by the very powerful Fox News Channel. Contrary to what my critics have posited, neither my statement nor Harris's, I'm sure, was motivated by any racial fear or loathing. In fact, it was something far less sinister. A lifetime of exposure to the very same, quote, commercials, mall casting calls, and movies, Harris references in her piece. From Miracle on 34th Street, to the Thanksgiving Day Parade, to the National Christmas Tree Lighting, we continually see Saint Nick as a white man in modern day America. Should that change? Well that debate got lost because so many couldn't get past the fact that I acknowledged as Harris did that the most commonly depicted image of Santa does in fact have white skin. By the way, I also did say Jesus was white. As I've learned in the past two days, that is far from settled. For me, the fact that an offhand jest I made during a segment about whether Santa should be replaced by a penguin has now become a national firestorm says two things. Race is still an incredibly volatile issue in this country, and Fox News and yours truly are big targets for many people.
7: Oh, poor you. Boo hoo. Oh, look, Uh you know what this is, Anna? Smallest violin in the world, playing just for Megyn Kelly.
12: All the the hypocrisy in that one clip was kind of incredible, right? So she earlier on she says like, "You guys don't get it. I was just joking around." And then she proceeds to state that Santa is white again, right? Like, yeah, yeah, but no, no, he's white. No. But he's white in all the commercials and he's white in all this artwork. Therefore, Santa is white. Duh. But I'm just joking about that. Make up your mind. Are you joking or are you being serious? And then the whole notion about Jesus Christ being black or white. I mean, she's just—I don't know. I'm—I'm done with this conversation.
7: Wrong. Not done. (laughs) We're going forward. So, number one, look—if she's saying she was kidding that Santa exists, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But that's not all that she said. That wasn't the controversial part. If she had said offhandedly, "Hey, kids, of course Santa exists," nobody would have made a big deal about it. We don't even think Fox News is that dumb. Right, but she insisted the Santa was white. She wasn't joking about that at the time. Exactly. And as you can tell from here and what you said, Anna, she keeps saying like, "Well, I mean, the Santa I always see is white. That's why I said he was white." So then you weren't joking. Yeah. You did
12: mean it. Exactly. Right. And, and the race baiting too. Sorry to interrupt you, but the race baiting part of it too. No one's. Ra- You're the one who brought up race on your show. That's. I mean, this is not. A race baiting situation. It wouldn't have been a race baiting situation had you not decided to do an entire segment talking about someone's piece on Black Santa. Yeah,
7: and that's because Fox News loves to make fun of my, you know, uh, liberals. And I'm being kind here, not saying minorities. Liberals, progressives. <laughs> look at the liberals. Now <laughs> they want a Black Santa. <laughs> you did that segment. You see, that would be the race baiting. We didn't make you do that segment, and in the middle of that segment, you insisted that Santa and Jesus were white. Now you're coming back and saying, "Well, you can see why I thought Santa was white because of all the things I've been influenced by." That's a fair point in and of itself. If you acknowledge that, that's why you said it, but you didn't acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. You blame liberals for race baiting you into saying it. Okay, which makes no sense. And then finally, she, if you notice she never went on to complete the thought of like like she pretended as if she agreed with the writer of that piece yeah the whole Segment was based on how she was mocking that writer in the first place. You guys don't agree unless you now come out and say, "Well, you're right. Santa isn't white or black. If you were talking about Saint Nicholas, he was Mediterranean and olive-skinned and probably closer to brown-skinned mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. than white." Okay, well then I say, "Okay, hey, that's an interesting acknowledgement. Good for you, but you didn't acknowledge any of that because your audience would hate you if you acknowledged that." And finally, the most important part here. I mean, nothing is important. It's all. It's the only important part of it, Anna, and why the conversation mm-hmm. shouldn't necessarily end. Is that we're through this? We're breaking down people's perceptions and why they perceive the things that they did. Mm -hmm. Because if you ask most Americans, they'll say, "Yeah, of course Santa's white. He's from the North Pole, Mm -hmm. right?" Mm -hmm. And and it's because of all the things that that actually Megyn Kelly showed in that second segment, right? You know, all the images of Santa. She's right about that just by itself, right? Mm -hmm. But she doesn't go on to acknowledge. Well, look this is an absurd conversation mm-hmm. and especially what I was going to say the important part is the Jesus part because they really did pretend for a long time and you see it in a lot of the churches where Jesus is blonde blue-eyed you know Nordic mm-hmm. he looks more like Thor than he does looks like Jesus of Nazareth or Bethlehem right? right and so that was a serious issue that they used to keep people down for a long time and the conversation is important in breaking down those barriers and I like how she said well uh, that it turns out that debates not settled What do you mean it's not settled? Jesus is from Bethlehem. (laughs) He's Middle Eastern. What's unsettled about it? Okay, I mean, people from Bethlehem aren't really black and they're not really white. They're (coughs) excuse me. They're Semites. We have another word for that. I mean, there's two branches of the Semite family. One is Jewish, and the other is Arab. So, what what does Jesus look like most? An Arab. There's no question about it. What does Santa look like most? Me.
5: Oh, by gosh, by golly. It's time for mistletoe and holly. Tasty pheasants, Christmas presents. Countryside's covered with snow. Oh, by gosh, by jingle. It's time for carols and Kris Kringle over merry greeting, from relatives you don't know.
4: Over the weekend, of course, with Black Friday, we had uh, kind of a question mark about whether Sarah Palin's new book about the war on Christmas would do well. Turns out that the book has flopped, and I can't lie, that I am very pleased by. Freakout Nation wrote that half-term governor Sarah Palin uh... and her new book completely bombed on black friday the book is called good tidings and great joy protecting the heart of christmas it was outsold by uh... so many other books palin's book was number six forty one on amazon when i look now of course of all the books on amazon six forty one is still not nothing right a lot of independent publishers would love to break the top thousand but when you think about who Sarah Palin is and when you think about that this was a book produced in a serious manner by a real publisher certainly ghostwritten because i can't imagine Sarah Palin can write much at all uh it's amazing lewis that it actually did this poorly
10: yeah uh you would think with all her publicity it would do a little better and with all her her cult like followers but uh hey this is great right people are not reading that that piece of crap
4: i dug into the numbers a little bit lewis and i found that even within the category of christian books and even specifically within the category of christmas christian books it's only number five and it was outsold by the book finding christmas stories of startling joy and perfect peace this is a good thing and listen to what it says in Palin in the description of the book at a time when Christian values are challenged, when the greeting Merry Christmas has been replaced by the supposedly less offensive Happy Holidays, Governor Sarah Palin makes the case for bringing back the freedom to express the religious spirit of the season. Wow, Lewis, that sounds compelling. And by the way, the, the term holiday for all of the um I don't know, soldiers in the war for Christmas. For all of their complaints about happy holidays, as Neil deGrasse Tyson recently tweeted, holiday comes from holy day. It is, edit, uh, you know, it's, if you look at the etymology of the word, it is still a religious statement, Lewis, to say happy holiday. You're saying happy holy day. It is still a religious illusion.
10: Right, I guess you're just referencing all the holy days that occur around that time, yeah. so, yeah, of course, still religious,
4: maybe what's the right thing to say? Happy season's greetings or Se-
10: seasons greetings, yeah,
4: and uh have a good end of the traditional uh end of year vacation day period. I hope it goes well or, or something like that. I don't know, how about just uh I don't know ducky December or something like that i I think that's the 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 best thing is something like. Have a great New Year and uh, good celebrations if you're celebrating anything, or something like that. You know. That, that's a
10: li- that's a little long-winded. <laughs> on, you can't <laughs> say that to everybody.
4: No, I don't know. Uh, uh, happy Winter Solstice. Who knows? Of course, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it's not the Winter Solstice around Christmas. Yeah, I don't know. Just uh, how about just have a nice day? All right. The, um, the <laughs> thank you. Luke. That's not bad. Of course, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about in particular.
1: Can't say exactly when, yeah, but we'll drop by. You bring the ice cream and I'll be apple pie. I like a rainbow candy cane, call me settled in my ways, yeah.
8: I'm not trying to eat and run, but I can't stay. It's just that we get down for the holidays. Imagine it was cold. Lovely winter. Get better. Let's hit the dance floor. See everyone we know.
1: We'll cut a rug and sneak up on the mistletoe.
6: I, I want to just briefly go over this piece by Daniel Denver in out Politico out from the other day. As um, As you know, we here at the majority report have been long-time warriors on the war on the war on Christmas, and it's apropos of something that Digby wrote, um, and we're going to talk about it. But you should know that while Bill O'Reilly says that he's only been at this war on Christmas for ten years, and back in the day, I think John Gibson wrote a book about it. Uh, he was another Fox host. Um, one of the stupidest ones, I think they've ever had, frankly, which I know says a lot. Uh, and of course, that mantle's been taken up by such luminaries as Sarah Palin, and Sean Hannity, and Glenn Beck, and the American Family Association, Gretchen and, Carlson, and Gretchen. Carlson. Don't forget her. She's of course, cute. yes. They're all warriors fighting the war on Christmas. <clears throat> Daniel Denver points out that this is nothing new. Back in the 1920s, Henry Ford published a news weekly. And in one of those, he wrote, last Christmas, or I should say it was, uh, this was a... Um, this was uh, actually from the International Jew, the world's foremost problem. That was, I guess, written up in that uh, uh, weekly. Henry Ford, no great fan of the Jews. Quote, last Christmas, now we're talking about the 1920s now. Last Christmas, most people had a hard time finding Christmas cards that indicated in any way that Christmas commemorated someone's birth people sometimes ask why three million jews can control the affairs of a hundred million americans in the same way that ten jewish students can abolish the mention of christmas and easter out of schools containing three thousand pupils yes folks the first shots in the war on christmas could heard over almost a century ago in this country in nineteen fifty nine it was the far-right john birch society that published a pamphlet alerting the nation to an assault on Christmas. Back in the uh, 50s, there was no word for war, it was just assault in the uh, war on Christmas. Carried out by quote, UN fanatics. <laughs> what they now want to put over on the American people is simply this department stores throughout the country are to utilize UN symbols and emblems as Christmas decorations. So you should know <laughs> there is there's is nothing new ladies and gentlemen particularly when you're talking about regressive right wingers
7: Every time I want to get away from the war on Christmas and I say no Moss, I don't want to do any more stories, no ex uh Bill O'Reilly pulls me back in. And he did it again. Because his interview with Pastor Robert Jeffress went in a direction I could not have anticipated. Let's have fun and watch.
11: Anyone. <laughs> either you or Fox News for waging a phony war on Christmas is either extremely naive or intentionally deceptive. I mean, the fact is the war on Christmas is real, but bill, it's a part of a larger war against Christianity that's being waged around the world. And
2: who do you think is behind the movement to diminish Christianity?
11: Well I think ultimately, Bill, as a Christian, I believe that it is the kingdom of darkness of Satan who from the beginning who of does time, he use? has been trying to extinguish. I mean yeah. we know well, Satan used- works
2: on, on some cable networks, yeah. he kinda of flits around from one to the other. <laughs> and we see him uh, but, yes. but but he uses people. Who does he use?
11: Well, he uses misguided judges who have perverted the First Amendment. You know, now we have that the First Amendment ensures a freedom from religion. You have pastors who are out there saying there is no war against Christianity. Satan can use anyone.
7: Oh, man, I didn't see that coming. Who's behind it? Satan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Satan has uh, talked to the judges, whispered in their ear, and said, all right. Now go and read the First Amendment. How dare he? Beels a bub. <laughs> like you know, it's hard for me to relate to folks like this. I mean, I I know there's a percentage of the country that believes them that really thinks that there's a creature that's red and has a tail and has horns and takes over, according to this guy, pastors and judges, and according to Bill O'Reilly. Cable news hosts. I know he was tongue in cheek there, but the, the pastor certainly wasn't Satan. That that's who's doing it, and he's and he's taken on a very curious mission for himself to get people to say Happy Holidays. Now, holidays, of course, is based on holy days. You would think Satan would want to go in a different direction, but apparently, he's decided to really get into the minutia on the war on Christmas, and uh, and of course, uh, he's using judges to do. His bidding but like that this is dangerous stuff. I mean, every once in a while the war on Christmas is goofy and fun, and we have fun with it, and like to see Gretchen Carlson get flip out over the Festivus poll and how she has to keep seeing that poll everywhere. But when you start talking about how judges are ruled by Satan, that can lead people to do dangerous things, and it e- encourages a some percentage of our country to ignore the rule of law
8: tree plugged in the meal had gone without a hitch Till Timmy turned to Amber and said, Is it true that you're a witch? His mom jumped up and said, The pies are burning, and she hit the kitchen And it was Jane who spoke, she said, It's true, the cousin's not a Christian But we love trees, we love the snow, The friends we have, the world we share And you find magic from your God And we find magic everywhere So the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able Where does magic come from? I think magic's in the learning Because now when Christians sit with pagans, only pumpkin pies are burning
9: just seems to me that the Democrats don't get Christmas Another example, Congressman Jim McDermott, who used the baby Jesus to push his pro-poor-people agenda. Jim, this is Christmas time. We talk about good Samaritans, we
2: talk about the poor, the little baby Jesus in the cradle, and all this stuff, and then we
9: say to the unemployed, we won't give you a check to feed your family. That's simply wrong. Of course it's wrong. We shouldn't be talking to them at all. (laughs) They've got unemployment cooties. And I am not the only one upset by McDermott's flagrant injection of charity into the Christmas season. So is Papa Bear Bill O'Reilly. In his weekly column, he wrote, Every fair-minded person should support government safety nets for people who need assistance through no fault of their own. But guys like McDermott don't make distinctions like that. For them, the baby Jesus wants us to provide, no matter what the circumstance. But being a Christian... I know that while Jesus promoted charity at the highest level, he was not self-destructive. Good point, Bill. Jesus said we only have to love those who deserve it. And what I like best about Bill's argument is its complete factual inaccuracy. Because it would be inconvenient to guys like us to repeat what Jesus actually said. For instance, if someone wants your coat, give them your cloak as well. Rich people should sell all their possessions and give the money to the poor. Plus, the fact is, Jesus was way beyond self-destructive. He was self-sacrificial. I mean, the guy is God. He could have floated off that cross like Chris Angel Mind Freak. (laughs) And I love, I love how Bill closes with, The Lord helps those who help themselves. Kind of implying that Jesus said that when it was actually Ben Franklin, who I believe belched out that proverb between mouthfuls of French whore. <laughs> but as much, as much as I'm a fan of Bill's willfully ignorant, borderline heretical self-justification, I got to tip my hat to Bernie Goldberg, who came on the factor to call Jesus like he sees us. Jim? As a matter of fact, You know, uh, Jesus probably would be, except for one or two issues, a liberal Democrat if
0: he were around today.
9: Yes, Jesus was a liberal Democrat. It's right there in his name, Jesus H. Christ. That H. clearly stands for Hussein. (laughs) Plus, Jesus was always flapping his gums about the poor, but not once did he call for tax cuts for the wealthiest 2% of Romans. Even though they create all the good slave jobs. And don't forget, Jesus hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes. And no good conservative would be caught dead with tax collectors. What frightens me... What frightens me really... What really frightens me about this is now we know we got a liberal Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. He's basically Yahweh's Joe Biden. <laughs> anything happens to the big guy, we can end up with a socialist deity redistributing my loaves and fishes. <laughs> well, it hurts me to say this, folks. But if Jesus really is a liberal, it's time to get the Christ out of Christmas. <laughs> now, listen, 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 you know me, you know me. I'm no fan of the term Xmas or X anything. I make my kids play Christbox 360. <laughs> And if they break a bone, they get Christ raised. (laughs) But it is time to take baby Jesus out of the manger. Replace him with something that's easier to swallow. How about a honey baked ham? (laughs) Because if this is gonna be a Christian nation that doesn't help the poor, either we've got to pretend that Jesus was just as selfish as we are, or we've got to acknowledge that he commanded us to love the poor and serve the needy without condition, and then admit, that we just don't want to do it.
5: Hey, Jay. My name is John. I'm in Raleigh. Uh, I just want to say, regarding the transgender conversation, uh, listening to a recent podcast, one of the callers called and said, you stepped in it, maybe it's time to lay back. I'd like to just take a different tack entirely and say thanks for the conversation. Despite all of the conversation and you know, the consternation that comes with it, whether what's being said is good or bad, uh, offensive or helpful, the fact of the matter is we're talking about it, and I think that should be the takeaway here. I don't necessarily want to keep talking about it because there's a lot to talk about, but I appreciate you bringing it up. You know, personally, it's a topic I hadn't thought a lot about. Uh, I consider myself pretty progressive and pretty worldly. I've traveled a lot. I know a lot of people, but it's not something that's come up. I want to believe in a world in which we respect others and better ourselves as part of kind of a collective objective. And in my effort to do that, I realized that I've got this big blind spot when it comes to transgender, not transgendered, good distinction, by the way, uh, issues. And so for that, I just want to say thanks. You have, this conversation that you have started has opened my eyes, something, uh, given me something new to think about. And I think that's probably true across the country and to the degree that this is a international podcast, and I hope that it is, uh, maybe help some folks around the world. So... Thanks for bringing the conversation home for me. Appreciate it. Have a good one.
14: Hey, Jay, Wade again. Just got through listening to your um, episode on rape culture. And and while I can't really, uh, don't have any insight on on physical rape uh, or the systemic uh, judicial impotence when it comes to punishing rapists, I don't have any experience with that. To my knowledge, I don't know anybody that's ever been raped. But what I do have some insight on is basically workplace sexual harassment, which feeds rape culture, or at least in what I'm hearing on the show, you know, a lot of times guys will say or people in general will say, well, how come she never spoke up about it if she didn't like what her coworkers were saying or something of that nature? And the answer is pretty simple if you think about it. Because subjugation is better than alienation in some cases. Nobody wants to be that person, the complainer, the party crasher. Nobody wants to be that person. And that's exactly what, even though it's unfair, what you have to be if you complain about sexual harassment in the workplace. Now, you may ask, um, how do I know, how do I have such insight? How does this uh, white, straight male uh, conservative have this? Because my wife used to come home uh, fairly regularly uh, crying because of of the harassment she received at work, you know uh, God forbid she she let anybody know she got a new tattoo for instance, oh where is it? Can we see it on and on and on um, guys just hanging out in her office literally for hours on end, and this got just got to the point where she didn't she just had to release it by crying and but she didn't want to say anything because she didn't want to be alienated. She didn't want everybody to just leave her alone. She didn't want to be hated. And as sad as that is, it's just the truth. It is what it is. So to, to my mind, what the answer is, the answer is each other. You know, we have to call out, and it can be male or female, we have to call out the assholes that are doing that, Okay. We have to, to, to pull them aside and say, hey, you know, just because she's silent doesn't mean she's
10: consenting.
14: This, this is not that hard to do because most people are decent. There's always just a few assholes. I mean, hopefully if your job's not full of assholes, that would be terrible. But most of the time, that's the way it is. And a second note, management needs to quit being so goddamn blind. They know what's going on, and they don't say shit. It gets ridiculous. All the young guys are in the only female that you have employee's office. What do you think they're doing? Talking about business? Come on, man. If you're a manager, open your damn eyes. Sorry I had to vent on that one. Anyway, Jay, that's just my thoughts on it. So uh, talk to you later.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make the show possible, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So first of all, a couple of reminders. Uh, Stitcher Awards nominations are happening right now. Just Google Stitcher Awards. You'll find them. Uh, Nominations are going on until December 24th, and I think you can nominate the show every day until then. Of course, in the news and politics category, it'll be hugely appreciated, and you'll help a bunch of new people find the show by getting the show nominated there second reminder uh, there are going to be a couple of reruns between now and december 30th of course i'm going to be hanging out with family and sitting in front of fires with hot cocoa and that sort of thing Uh, so no new shows but the reruns uh, promise to be excellent as always Uh, you know i even though i have no idea what they're going to be yet but i'm sure there'll be something good so finally, today I want to comment on uh, on Wade's voicemail that we just heard and I want to start by, by just prefacing that of course no two conservatives are alike and you can't make giant broad sweeping uh, statements about all conservatives and have it really make sense but I'm, but just go with me um, so I basically subscribe to the idea that one of the most fundamental differences between liberals and conservatives is the levels of empathy that we have. And I think that that is, uh, you know, as as with most things, as we've been discussing recently, a, a complicated mixture of nature and nurture develops, you know, your sense of empathy. And so you know, I think the more empathetic you are, the more liberal you tend to be. The more you care about other people, the more you like policies that tends to care about other people. Whereas conservatives, not so much. So with Wade's call today, and with you know several issues that he's called in on, he sounds like a you know a, a liberal lion coming to the defense of the downtrodden, but. When you listen closely and and you hear all of his voice messages, which – and keep in mind, not nearly all of them have been played on the show because some of them are terrible. Um, when he sounds like a liberal, it's because it's something that has touched his life personally. So like today when he said like, oh, you know, why would a conservative like me care so much about you know rape culture? And I thought, well, because someone in your life has clearly been affected by it. Otherwise, I'm guessing you wouldn't care much about it. And turned out, I mean, of course, his wife is being horribly mistreated at work, which is terrible. And, uh, you know, but I've heard plenty of messages. You know, The, the most recent one was actually the worst uh, during the conversation about uh, trans issues. It was the only message he had ever left where he actually threatened violence and, like, as if there's not already enough problems with the violence against the trans community turns out wade is basically volunteering Is like hey like i'm one of those people you should be afraid of so you yeah, know he, he's, he's he's a mixed bag at best but it's really easy to know where he's going to come down on an issue if you just know whether or not he has a personal connection to it so so uh, you know i'm i'm hearing his message and i'm thinking about the problem of you know, the, this empathy disparity, I, I call it the uh, empathy deficit. And it's most, you know, when we talk more broadly about conservatives, it comes out over and over again, especially uh, it just recently in the gay rights arena. You know, people are virulently anti-gay rights and then their kid comes out as gay and turns out, oh, okay, I changed my mind because they have a personal connection to it. And, and then, just one more piece of context, I actually asked Wade about this once. Uh, he and I are you know in touch by email every once in a while, and so I ran this theory by him. I was like, "Hey, what do you think about this? Like I, I sort of subscribed to this theory of empathy deficit between liberals and conservatives." Does that sound right to you? Does that like how do you feel about your own levels of empathy? And he said, "Oh, no, that sounds about right." Yeah, like I I care about my family and, and friends and I don't really give a shit about anyone else." I was like, "All right, cool. So I I think I'm onto something." So, I I've been thinking about this problem. You know, you know, I was hearing Wade's story about his wife and how, you know, th- that personal connection made him just rabidly, you know, like anti-rape culture, you know, totally on on board with everything that we're saying on this really liberal show. And I thought I think the answer is to start really brutally and oppressively mistreating conservatives so that they can feel how terrible it is and then come around. So, you know, if if you know a conservative, start sexually harassing them. And so that they and their family and their friends will hear about it and think, well, that's terrible, sexual harassment's terrible. We should stop that. We should do something about it, like Wade just did, and so I you know I was thinking that was was the answer, but then I realized liberals totally do not have the stomach for that. we just we don't have it in us to uh, to mistreat people that badly. So my fallback plan is. I think we have to all become friends with conservatives because if the only people that conservatives care about are themselves and their family and their friends, then every conservative needs to have a bunch of liberal friends who can sort of expose them to the, uh, you know, to the ills of society and give them a window through a personal connection of theirs so that we can bring them around because the problem is, with you know, with people like Wade, I fear that if he if he goes the rest of his life, never having any black friends, gay friends, trans friends or anything like that, he's going to continue not giving a shit about you ever. But one little friendship could turn that all around. So if you know a conservative, I suggest you go become friends with him. And if you want to be friends with Wade, just send me an email. I'll forward it to him. But that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show, either by becoming a member or making one-time donations, as that is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, leaving glowing reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and by donating your accounts at donateyouraccount.com slash left. Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode